today my message is called Family Strong. So I want to preach a message to the families today. Family Strong. That's the title of my message today. And I believe when the family is strong, the church is strong. Amen? When the family is strong, the community is strong. Missions.me, who just did One Nation, One Day LA. I don't know what you call it anymore. One Day LA. Sorry. They did a ton of research into figuring out how to help the community. And they actually found out the, the problem starts with the family. Absent fathers and mothers. Broken homes. So they started doing service projects directed at families and homes. And many of you are involved in them who went to One Day LA. The family unit is extremely important. The family was God's idea from the very beginning. And family is forever. And maybe you're a part of a small family. We'll look around today because this is the family of God. This will be your family forever and eternity too. These will be your neighbors. These will be your friends. This is your community. Okay? So but maybe some of you come from a great, big, awesome family, and you're happy to be a part of that family. God bless you today. This message is going to be for every single person today. But when the family is strong, the church is strong, the community is strong, and, and I want to talk about creating a strong, healthy families today. And this is not about, um, this is not a message directed towards families with little kids. This, if you've got grown kids, this is for you. If you've got grandkids, this is for you. This is about the family, generations of families. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. Let me start off by reading these 16 verses to you today. It says this, Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other. Making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. For there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, he has given each one of us a special gift to the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind and new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let me pray for you today. Oh, Lord, we invite your Holy Spirit in this place. 
Jesus, be the head. Be the, be the leader. Lord, unite us in our faith, Heavenly Father, as one large body and as a family today, Lord God, so that we may serve you, learn about you, grow together, and becoming all that we are supposed to be. And everybody said, amen. So what I want to do is I want to go through these 16 verses with you and pull out 10 points for you this morning about creating a strong, healthy family. And like I said, I want you, when, I th- when you think of the word family, I want you to think of your personal family, but I also want you to think about the church family. And I want, you to think, I want you to think about your extended family as well. Because your family is much larger than you think, even if you come from a very small family. If you had a family reunion, it, it could be larger than you expected. If you had the family of God all gathered together on a Sunday morning in one place, you'd look around and go, this family's pretty big, even though we, we rarely meet together in one church service. So we have a big family today, amen? And because we've got a big family, things can get complicated. I've traveled by myself before. It's easy. And I've also traveled with 60 missionaries. It's difficult. It's hard to sit down on the couch and decide between a family of four what to watch on TV. Ever done that before? That's just four people on the couch. Maybe you got a family of five, like I do. Just a, what are they doing down there? There they are. There's my family. This shining bright beacon of light. Look at them. (laughs) No family's perfect. (laughs) But we love each other. And so it can get complicated as a family gets large. It can get complicated as the group grows and as people's wills grow. (laughs) My kids, they love to watch TV. You cannot get three children to decide on the same thing to watch. We'll spend 20 minutes going through the movie list on Amazon Prime. You want to watch that? No. That? Yes. No. <laughs> no. Well, we got to be in 100% agreement here. It can get complicated. And so what we need to do is make sure, because of all the complications with large families, that we are operating properly and doing the right things ourselves. Amen. So the first thing that is happening here is that Paul is telling us in verse 2 to be humble. If you are going to have a strong, healthy family, you've got to have humility sprinkled throughout the house. Your house, the house of God, whatever you call home. My son, Owen, loves to play games. He creates games. He makes games up. And I don't even know what these games are. He's got them all figured out. And he's, he just brings a ball into the room, and he says, I'm going to throw this ball, and if it hits the wall behind you, you're out. I'm like, what? That's a big wall. I don't, you know, and he'll throw it, and he'll hit the wall, and he's like, yeah, I beat you. See ya. I'm like, what? What a game. He loves to play games, and we're teaching him how to lose, because I don't know how. <laughs> You know, there is actually a graceful way to lose, isn't there? And you got to teach your kids how to lose. It takes humility to lose well, doesn't it? So we're teaching them how to lose well, how to be humble in losing. And then my wife yells at me from across the room and says, you don't know how to win. What do you know? I just dominated that boy. He didn't see what was coming. And he, she's right. I don't know how to win. <laughs> I can't let my son beat me. I will dominate. I will win this round. I don't care if it's trouble, (laughs) twister, 
throwing a ball at a wall. I'm going to win this round here. And then I rub it in his face. Ah, <laughs> better luck next time. So she's trying to teach me how to win. But it takes humility to have a healthy family, to lose well, to win well. Nobody likes a sore loser, but you know what? Nobody likes a sore winner. So there is such a thing. It takes humility. Matthew 5, verses 11 through 12 says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. That was weird. Uh, That's hard to do. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. If you're going to have a strong, healthy home, there has to be humility in the house. Number two, in verse two, Paul tells us to be gentle. That's right. Be gentle. (laughs) I love to wrestle. I love it. And my wife hates to wrestle. And because she hates to wrestle, I want to wrestle her more. So it's like one of those things where, I, when, I, where when you find out where your spouse is ticklish, you're like, all you can think about is that spot. You're like, I know she hates it when I tickle her feet, but uh, you know, there we go. Let's tickle her feet. You know? And, and, uh, you know, she, and um, so I'll wrestle my wife. And then we got a dog because I was wrestling her too much. And, uh, but she always says, you got to be more gentle with me. You got to be more gentle with me. And I'm like, I, I, I've got all this testosterone in me. I got to wrestle something. I got to wrestle somebody. And I wrestle her and I tickle her and she hates it. And I wrestle and I tickle my kids until they cry. And it's wonderful. It's wonderful. I, yeah, I pinch them and I bite them, but I don't, they can't do that to me. And I pin them down, and I, and I lay on top of them, and I squish them, and they love it. And they'll, I'll be sleeping on the couch, and they'll run in the room and wake me up and say, Dad, wrestle me. And I'm like, well, now I'm mad, so I will wrestle you. Let's do this. And, but I believe that if you really want to have a, a strong, healthy home, you've got to be gentle. Matthew 5, verse 39 says, But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. And we need more gentleness in our society. And I'm not talking about, you know, being a, 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 a pushover or a sissy or a wuss. You know, not standing up for your rights or whatever. But I'm talking about, I think we need some more level-headed, calm, humble, gentle people. I truly do. Number three, in verse two, Paul tells us to, be patient. Be patient. The love chapter in the book, 1 Corinthians verse 13, the very first thing it starts off by saying is this, love is patient. It's the first one. And patience, what is patience? It's, can be described more like this, self-control, right? Takes patience to raise your children, doesn't it? It takes patience to work through Issues, doesn't it? It takes patience to teach them how to do things. The hard things like studying and <laughs> work, work ethic and getting up in the morning and getting ready for school and putting away their dishes and 
cleaning up their toys and you've got to work. It takes patience to work with them and it could take years of you doing it with them until they understand that if you're not finished with your drink, just put it in the fridge. Sorry, it's just a thing, you know. But it takes patience to raise your kids, especially as they make mistakes. It takes patience to be a good spouse, doesn't it? But patience protects you from doing and saying things that you would regret. regret. Amen? Now, you've got to understand, where is the time of day when your patience is the lowest? For me and my wife, it's when we're putting the kids to bed. I got nothing left. I've worked all day. I came home. I worked all evening being a dad and and a husband, doing things around the house. It's finally bedtime. And I just, from my mind, I get into my marching orders. Brush your teeth, go potty, put on jammies, go to bed. But what do kids want? Daddy, can you tickle my back, please, a little bit? Oh. Do you understand how hard that sounds right now? Just to, just like, just to stand there and do this just feels like, I, I can't. I'm wasted. I'm gone. I'm so tired. Daddy, can you? They're, they're finally in bed, and you're walking out of the room. Daddy, what? Can you get me an icy water? It takes patience. It takes self-control, love, humility, gentleness, patience. Kids aren't into the marching orders. Set up their routine and just hammer it out. They want to stop along the way. They want to smell the roses. They want to stop and enjoy the sights and the sounds. They'll see something little on the ground, and they want to talk about it and point it out and look at it and touch it and kiss it and pick it up. And you're like, just go to the bathroom and go to the, go potty. Just go. Stop stopping. <laughs> and it takes all this patience. It takes all these things. And, and sometimes you've got to even recognize, just stop and say, okay, the hardest time of day for me is, is at the end of the day when they're going to bed. And if I can point it out and recognize it, I can actually encourage myself with a little extra dose of patience, and I can be a better father. I can be a better husband. I don't have to be a, a, a slave to my um, you know, lack of ability to be patient. I have control. I have self-control today. And I can work it up in myself, and I can get better. We can all get better. Isaiah 40, verse 31. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. This is talking about patience, waiting for the Lord. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Number four, in verse two, Paul says, make room for mistakes. And God, God allows all of us to make mistakes and yet still loves us. But I believe, I believe that if, if we had as much grace and mercy as God for one another, that many of us would be upset about the second chances some people even get. You think about the, the people that God has, has used throughout the Bible, murderers, adulterers, fornicators, thieves. These people, they they should have no position in leadership, should they? But yet God puts them in positions of leadership and uses people. And God has a long leash to allow for mistakes, doesn't he? 
He allows people to make mistakes and then gives them second chances. Allows people to make mistakes and gives them a third chance. Allows people to make mistakes and gives them a fourth chance. Aren't you glad today you serve a God who gives you another chance? Another opportunity. And I believe if we could learn a little bit about the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness of God, that we would give people a longer leash to make a mistake. When I was teaching my dog how to walk, short leash. Short leash, right? But that didn't last for my dog's entire life. I mean, you know, she's not 12 years old, and I'm not just yanking her around in a leash, teaching her like this. But sometimes we're like this still with our children. They're, they're getting older, and you've you got this really short leash, and what are they going to do? They're going to rebel. They're going to get, the, they're not going to like it after a while. So you need to extend the leash a little bit. Allow room for mistakes. Mistakes happen. It's not the end of the world. You can learn from them and grow from them. You think about Paul in the Bible. Paul in the Bible came from a sect of religion that was hunting down Christians. Talk about somebody who needed to be corrected, disciplined, maybe even charged for murder by the law, right? That would be like a man today. That would be like a man today getting saved who's currently in the Taliban. They get saved. They start professing Jesus as Lord. And they just... Turn the world upside down for Jesus. Could you handle that? Would you welcome that? Would you be excited about that? And I hope you could say yes today. That no man is too far gone. That I'll never judge somebody based upon whatever they've done in the past, but if God has saved them and renewed them, then they've got a second chance today. I want to show you this picture. This is the, this is the Kuwaiti royal prince on the screens right here. Kuwaiti royal prince, Abdullah al-Sabah, declares his faith in Jesus Christ. Kuwaiti's royal prince, Abdullah al-Sabah, converted to Christianity from Islam. He stated, if they kill me because of it, then I will appear before Jesus Christ, and I'll be with Jesus Christ forever. The royal prince went on to say in a recorded audio tape, he stated, I will accept whatever they do to me, because the truth in the Bible has guided me towards the right path. Hallelujah! And I'm glad that he has somehow has got a community around him that is giving him a second chance. Amen? Number five, be united. Be united. That's right. We need to be a united family unit, don't we? Jesus' last words to us, his la- as actually was his last prayer, to us as the church, it was a prayer for the church, was that we would be as one as him and the Father were one. That's his very last prayer. I'll read it to you. John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. It's not going to be on the screens because I just added it before Sunday morning service today. But it says this. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. So he's praying for us. He's talking to his disciples. My prayer is not for these disciples alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. And we're alive today and believers because of these messages. Amen? He says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you in me, and just as you are in me, and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. We must be a united family. 
We must be united. We, we, we must strive for unity, work toward unity. I'll encourage you today, if there's a, a riff in the family, try your hardest to solve it. If there's a disagreement, if there's walls that are being put up, if there's things holding your family back from being united, do what you got to do to fix the problem. Every argument has two problems. The two people who are in the argument. It's never just one person's fault. You have a part to play. And I guarantee you that if you stopped and said, Holy Spirit, what was my part to play in this? He will reveal it to you. He will show you your mistakes. And you might humble yourself. Be more gentle. Go and ask for forgiveness. Fix it today. It's more important to have unity than to stand your ground and to think that you are right when in reality there were some mistakes that you made as well. Can we do that today, church? Let's get it right. Number six, Paul says to the family to use your gifts. The body is better when everyone is using their gifts. Some people hide their gifts because of insecurity. Some people don't even know what their gifts are. Some people think they have a gift when they don't. (laughs) That gets awkward. Some people, (laughs) some people are hiding their gifts and they're pretending to be humble. Hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. They don't need me. I'm just going to sit in the back. Stay humble. Not get lifted up with pride. But what you're really doing is you're holding back a blessing from the church and the people of God by not sharing your gift. So what did Jesus tell us to do? Oh, look at this. Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. He looks at you today and me today and says, you are the salt of the earth. And what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. Then he looks at you and says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. And there's some of you in here today where you have spiritual gifts and you have natural talents that you aren't using yet for the body, the family of God. So let me encourage you today to do what Jesus told you to do, to be salty and to be bright. And let people see your light shine to give glory to the Father up above. A silent Christian is an oxymoron. Profess Jesus out. Use your gifts, spiritual gifts. Use your natural talents to bring people closer to the Father. Some of your gifts will make you more visible. Some of your gifts will make you less visible. But being less visible doesn't mean you're less valuable. There's some people who serve today who are less visible. They're not on stage. They've never, they don't touch the microphone. They don't talk to many people. But they serve. They work hard. They're here early. They'll stay later than you. They do things in editing rooms 
where they're using their gifts. They're less visible, but they're not less valuable. So I'll challenge you and encourage you today to don't pretend to be humble (laughs) by hiding your gift and hiding your talents. Let it shine bright. Be salty today. Can you do that, church? Amen. Number seven, the family should build the church. I remember when I went off to college, I left the church, I went off to college, and I came home for my first summer. And I saw something for the very first time. There was a young man drumming, and his father was playing the organ. It's actually Dave Foss and your son. And I thought, and I saw, and I said, I think this is the first time I've ever seen a father and son on worship team together. And it, like, really blessed me. And it was hard to even describe. Like, I thought, this is beautiful. Like, this is what it should be. And it's taken Cornerstone a lot of years to get there because when you first come to church, when the first starts, it's just young families, right? It's just real little kids, but the kids start to get older. And if the parents can stay involved and stay committed, then one day you can actually start serving the Lord with your family. And I think it's one of the most beautiful things to watch a family build the church. And that's why it's wonderful to see Family Sunday up here. Fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, kids, teens, adults together, serving, worshiping, letting their gifts shine forth, letting them be salty and bright on stage, not holding them back, not pushing them down, not treating them less than, but saying, let's go, let's do this together. And I believe the the church is stronger when the family is working together to build the church. Number eight, Paul tells us to be wise. And the myth of wisdom is that you just automatically get wisdom as you age. But the truth of wisdom is that wisdom can be found at any age. So you can be young and find wisdom. You could be old and find wisdom. It could be young adult and find wisdom. But Paul encourages us as a family to be wise. Proverbs 1, 21 through 22. Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street, to those gathered in front of the city gate. Why does she have to shout? Why does she have to cry out? Because nobody's listening. <laughs> That's why. Nobody wants to get it. Nobody wants to be wise. Everybody just wants to do their own thing and pretend like they have it right. God asked Solomon, ask me of anything and I will give it to you. And Solomon asked for wisdom and the Bible says it pleased the heart of the father for him to ask for wisdom and he gave it to him freely. Just the other day, my, one of, two of my kids came up to me and they were fighting over a Cabbage Patch doll. This is no true story. Jen was sitting there on the couch with me. They came up to me, I want that, I want this, I want this, I want this. No, it's mine. Give me the doll. I'm going to rip it in half. I'll give each of you a half. Owen goes, yeah. And Nora goes, no, don't do that to my doll. And I gave it to Nora. I said, that's the true owner. Go in peace. (laughs) And they left and they were happy. (laughs) Straight out of book of the Bible from Solomon, he did that. (laughs) 
And Jen goes, I can't believe that worked. And I said, neither could I. Neither could I. (laughs) Number nine, speak the truth in love. That's right out of verse 15. Speak the truth in love. Speak it. A silent Christian is an oxymoron. There's a story I'll share with you. But when I, when I go to bed at night in my house, I lock the door, I turn, on the, I turn on the lights outside, and I check the back door, and I check that other door, and I, turn off, I, turn, I, I get the house ready to go to bed. I secure my house at night when I go to sleep because I'm smart, right? And you do the same thing. There's a story in the Bible of an ancient city and how ancient cities in the day protected themselves was they built high walls around the city. And the walls were very, very large, sometimes 20 feet thick. But on the top was a walking path, a a place to walk, kind of like the Great Wall of China, where you could walk on top the wall, and these were called watchmen. And the watchmen, would their only job was was to sound an alarm if they saw the enemy coming, because they could see further out on top of the wall. And it was a beautiful day in this town. This is a true story. And commerce was happening, and people were eating. People were happy. There was laughter in the streets. Kids were playing. It was a beautiful day. And there was a watchman on the wall that saw people approaching. He saw the people approaching, and he was in a very good mood himself. And he looked at the people in the town, and he thought, I don't, I don't think I'm going to sound the alarm, because everybody's just having such a good day. I'm just going to... I'm just going to take this risk, and I'm, I'm just going to hope that these people coming at us are friendly. Well, he made the wrong decision. It was too late. The army was upon them. The city was completely destroyed. Every single person was killed. The city was burnt down. And after it was all over, somebody put up a sign in this ancient town, and it read this. Let's see here. Here it is. Here stood a town that was destroyed by silence. And our homes can be destroyed by silence if we don't speak up sometimes. Parents, you have the authority to call out sin. You have the authority to say, that is wrong, not in my house. You have the authority to choose what they watch on TV. You have the authority to, sell, to tell them when they can get a cell phone. You have the authority to, to say, you can't hang out with that person, I don't like them. You have the authority. But if you're silent all the time, your house could be destroyed just because of silence. Good intentions aren't enough sometimes. Good thoughts aren't enough. You need to speak up sometimes and say, not in my house. Number 10, do your part. It says in verse 16, if we all just each do our part, not try to do more than that. We're not trying to be the mother and the father. I'm just the mother. I'm just the father. I'm just a kid. It's sad when the kid has to be the parent, isn't it? That's dysfunctional home. If everybody can do their part, what they were created to do for this time, as such a time as this, then we are better for it. We'll have a healthier family. And I'll encourage you, just as Paul does, to do our 
part. Maybe some of you need to start serving in church. Maybe some of you need to start leading at home better. Maybe you need to start disciplining better. Maybe you need to just come together as a family more to do your part. But my final encouragement to you today is for you to do your part. Let's have the worship team come on up. Let me pray for you. Lord, we we pray, Lord God, right now that Cornerstone will be full of healthy, strong families. Jesus, I thank you so much for your prayer in John chapter 17. I'm sorry, John chapter 20. Where your prayer is that we would be one just as I and the Father are one. They, they would be united. Oh, Lord God, I pray that that would be the heart of Cornerstone Church. Unity, oh, Lord God. Lord, I pray that our families would be humble and gentle. Lord God, I pray our families would be full of wisdom. Yes, Lord. I pray that our families would be strengthened and encouraged to do their parts so that the body works properly. Lord, I thank you today for Family Sunday, for the families coming together. It's inconvenient, I know, with the wiggles and the giggles and the things happening. But Lord God, it's beautiful. It's heavenly. It's what it's supposed to be, Lord God. And so, Lord God, I pray today, Lord God, that you strengthen the families. Strengthen us, Jesus, we pray.